0: Hey there, my fabulous educators, it's your resilience girl, Sherelle G. Coleman, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Teacher Talk, the ultimate self-care podcast for educators. Today, we're diving deep into the world of resilience, and we will be sharing stories of laughter and practical tips that will help empower you on your journey as an educator. So, grab a cup of coffee or even tea or even a glass of water and get comfortable while we talk resilience. Let's talk about it. So, today we have Terry. Terry's here from our West Mass School District. And, Terry, we would love to hear more about your journey as an educator. Please share. Hi,
1: I am in my 30th year of teaching. I've got a couple more days. We're in our last week of school, our finals week, crunch time now. And yeah, I had I met Sherelle through a PLC that we did, and she's wonderful. And I met some great people, and we shared, as she said, stories and laughter and tears. And uh, I'm excited to chat with her today.
0: All right. And we are so glad to have you. Did I hear 30 years?
1: Years, yes. Wow.
0: 30 years. So first, let's pause and say congratulations for making it to the big 30 years. Many educators never make it to the 30 years. So can you tell us a little bit, are you more in the elementary field, the middle school? What field are you in as far as an educator for 30 whole years, or have you moved around a bit?
1: Uh, I moved around a little bit. I have been mostly in secondary ed, high school math. I did start as an eighth grade teacher for six years, specifically eighth grade. And then I did kind of a hybrid middle school and high school. The two schools I've taught at were both seven through 12. And then so the last 20 years have definitely been all high school.
0: Wow, that's exciting. I mean, that is super exciting. So I have to ask the question, I have to dive right in and ask, what is the biggest difference you see from 30 years ago to now as an educator?
1: I think besides the cell phones and the technology, uh, I did start off on a chalkboard. I joke that that's why I wanted to be a teacher, to write on a chalkboard with chalk and kids would literally clap the erasers for me outside and- offer to wash the board, that kind of thing. So that's really come a long way. Even with the calculators, I teach math. And there was a day the student had this giant calculator. And I'm like, what is that? And it was a graphing calculator that I hadn't had in college. They were not invented yet. And he had this calculator. And I was like, gosh, like, and it was in eighth grade. So it wasn't at a level that he needed it, but it was an older brother's calculator, I believe. Uh, So, yeah, technology for sure.
0: Yes, technology has certainly changed. And we won't even begin to talk about chat GPT and all of the wonders of artificial intelligence in the classroom. But, yes, I remember the days, too, asking the teacher, can I be that appointed person to clap those erasers at the end of the day? That was a huge task. And that was something like you had to be pretty special to go clap those erasers, right? Right. You could go outside. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as you all know, life as an educator can be challenging though. It's super fun, but there comes challenge as well. So today I am going to get a little personal and as we do get a little personal, I have to say, as an educator, there has been some challenges that weren't such feel good moments for me. And in that time, I had to tap into my resilience in order to be able to keep myself together and honestly, to be able to keep my job in some of those instances too. So I think as an educator, about all of those wonderful things. And I always tell people, my job to me feels like Disney. When I touch the handles each morning, I always think of Disney because I know that I have the power to either change a child's life in a positive way or shape or mold something within them that has been lying dormant inside. And I get a joy out of it. However, I must tell you, my greatest challenge, if I'm being real, Terry, has really been the parents. The parents can be quite a challenge, right? The parents, they (laughs) mean well. However, sometimes they kind of step over the line and it becomes like World War II in your head because it's like, gosh, like I'm really just trying to help the kid, however, The parents see it as this is my baby and is my baby only. I want them to have what they want. When we know as educators, we are definitely trying to make the best choices for them for the long term. So I would say parents would be my greatest challenge during my time as an educator. Do you have any specifics or generals that you would think are your challenges when it comes to the field of education?
1: Uh, I do think parents, yes, is absolutely up there in the top three. I just had a meeting today on Zoom with uh, mom and dad and our assistant
0: principal. And
1: dad is a superintendent at a local school and mom's a principal at
0: a- Uh-oh, they know
1: everything. They know a lot about education. have a little bit of a different mm-hmm. philosophy and my assistant principal was very valuable in mediating between us. We came to a very fair compromise, but it can be intimidating when you are talking to parents that are educators as well. I think sometimes with student attitudes, when they are very challenging, you know, <laughs> that it's come from all all walks of life and all over the place. And absolutely. They, you know, look on the outside like they have it all together the popular kid that is having a tough time at home and is acting out. So, some of those acting out things. So, it's challenging because I need to remember that it's mostly not about me, it's about the student and maybe what they're going through, whether they had a bad day or there's a situation at home they could have been crying because they just bomb their history test and they come into math class like that. So a lot of times it's the attitude that comes in. And a lot of times they're just acting out for reasons that I may not know about. I may not be privy to, which is okay. And I have to kind of pause and remember that it's, I'm
0: just here (laughs) as I happen to be the target, (laughs) but it's not always personal. Absolutely. To think about it from that concept as it's not personal, but it still feels kind of personal, right? Because you definitely want to be that person that helps the child. And you feel like often, I know I felt like if I only knew, right, if I only knew what was going on, certainly I am going to pull my magic wand out and help you. However, I definitely can definitely empathize with where you are, where the child comes in from another class, they've not done well there and they're bringing those emotions in and it happens in all walks of life. But as an educator, you definitely feel you should be privy to the information, but we're always, sometimes we feel, and I heard what you said too, Terry, like, I'm just here. And it does feel somewhat like, oh, I'm just here especially when you're not privy to all of the things that are going on in their life so i'll share with you i started doing this two years ago and it was so helpful we do what we call arrivals in my classroom so we start the day with an arrival and it's something simple as jim how are you arriving sarah how are you arriving and we go throughout the entire class to see how everyone is arriving. And I actually put a timer on. Everyone has one minute and sometimes it's less than one minute. Sometimes it's something as simple as putting some um, some emojis on the board and they will identify which one they most identify with when they're walking in the class. So I found that very helpful. However, there are still times at the end of the day, I am looking around the classroom and I find that. There's still a pouty face or a sad face, or like you said, even a bad attitude with me. And I know I haven't done anything. So it is challenging to deal with those attitudes. And definitely going back to the conversation when you're dealing with parents who are educators as well, that can be just as challenging, which I didn't think about that until you just spoke about it. That can be challenging as well, because you we, we often think of the parents who are not in the field of education, but I didn't think of it from your perspective, you know, thinking of a parent who's in the field of education, that can be intimidating as well when they come in the room and they're telling you like, you're not doing it their way, but you know that you're doing it the way that works best for their kid. So yeah, yeah that can be very challenging. Now. We know that resilience is a big buzzword right now, especially in the field of education. Like we want all kids to be resilient, but it's the resilience word kind of has, it has a positive and definitely it is a positive thing, but it kind of can be that catchy word like bullying. You remember when bullying first became the word in the school's. And then everybody started, you know, if a tap on the shoulder, I feel like I'm getting bullied, right? So we want to make sure we keep it in perspective when we're looking at education, because it's a buzzword now, but we do know resilience to be a superpower. It's certainly a superpower and it helps us to bounce back and it helps us to thrive as people. So saying that, I think that most times people don't really realize that We as educators have to put on our resilient superpower like every day because no matter what happens, we are in charge of these students and we are the liable adults in the building. But we often don't think people don't think about how does the adult, the educator, how are they receiving the information? And what about their feelings? What about their emotions? What about how they are arriving? So. I don't know Terry. What do you think about resilience and how the world re- I mean reveres these teachers and educators, but do you think they're given the same grace and the resilience to educators as they're as needed? I I haven't felt <laughs> the same the same grace from From
1: others, I think they forget. They forget we're people very often. And sometimes even within our own community, we forget that, like, you know, I got to get up there. I got to face everyone. I have to come in. And with the pandemic and the, the more on our plates as educators, it gets a little tougher. It gets a little tougher. I the plc that you ran for us this spring was amazing and sharing stories like that was so beneficial we don't have a lot of time i think as educators during the day you know you've got your lesson planning i have to go photocopy i have to email with parents make phone calls that we don't always always have that time to reflect and check in with each other and make sure we're okay Um, yeah I, i mean it's it's a challenge and
0: I, I feel like we need to do a little bit more about it. I agree. What do you think if you had one magic wand wish from the educators, for the educators rather, from administrators, what would be that magic wand feel that comes from your administrators and not specifically yours, but administrators period? How could administrators help teachers to become more resilient? And to be really just more visible and seen. More time in the day,
1: <laughs> if that's possible at all. Right. You know, most of us, if like in a high school level, you might have seven periods of the day and you teach five classes. I think if I just taught three or four classes and had that extra time, you know, to reflect, to decompress, to remember my students are people and human beings and have needs and challenges as well i think that would be amazing to have that you know smaller class sizes can sometimes address that issue if i've got 28 versus 18 then i can get to know those students better and help meet their needs but you know when classes are overcrowded uh yeah it's time would be magical that. Uh, And check-ins. I know some school systems are really great at checking in and evaluating and such. Uh, I see my administration, they're very visible in the hallways, you know, they do check in and, but to have more time to really do that, they would probably like more time in their schedule as well to come in and check with us. So time-
0: So time, time is magical. And the real deal is we only get 24 hours. It's about managing those 24 hours to the best of our ability. So time does count. And just the small check-ins, really, it really matters to an educator because you do want to know that you are visible. You're visible to your administrators and that you really matter. It's important for us to drive home the importance of how important students are but if we're not caring for ourselves then that it just kind of it has a trickle down effect and if we don't feel cared for how do we feel in all honesty about caring for those students because you want to know that you count every single individual wants to know that they matter So when we're faced with things outside of our classroom, like dealing with sick family members, I know for me, that was a challenge for me last year, dealing with a sick grandparent, trying to make sure they had all their needs met. However, in the classroom, I remember being bombarded uh, with parent calls. One of the parent calls were to ask, you know, why are you out so often? And I had sent an email to let them know that I was caring for my grandmother and she was very ill. Well, in the midst of that, she kept emailing to say, hey, I mean, I noticed that you're missing another day. So I was thinking that was pretty insensitive. However, I just kind of let it go because I was thinking from her perspective, it is a lot of days and I'm sorry. However, I could only apologize. But being empathetic towards teachers it it really makes a difference in how the teacher shows up and so i thought that was very telling of the person but i have to say kudos to the other 95% of my parents they were so on board and saying what is it that you need how can we help so it is always going to be i guess a few people who just don't have that empathy radar on so they don't you know they don't know how to express that particular thing So I learned to prioritize self-care and I learned that through the pandemic because nobody cares about you. Like you can care about you. I know for me, there are some things I even implement as an educator in the classroom for myself selfishly. And it's all good, right? I have to care for me if nobody else does. So during my break, I am intentional, very intentional on my lunch break. I always spend lunch break alone. And sometimes I'll venture out to eat with uh, colleagues. However, most times I spend my lunchtime alone because I want to have a moment of meditation. And it's help, it, it's helpful to me because I'm reflective. Terry, can you share with us any self-help things that you may implement for yourself?
1: I often need to just get up away from my desk and (laughs) my room. It helps me if I just go chit chat with someone even for a few minutes and say, Hi, how's your day? Ask them something about their dog or what, you know, something off, you know, no, no shop talk, if you will, for a couple minutes. And but I have to be intentional about that when you're busy. And I'm like, I want to just finish correcting this. And I don't want anyone to look at me, talk to me or something. I really need to do that. And it was hard with the pandemic. We were in our rooms. We were not supposed to eat lunch with other people. So I, and we used to do it all the time and then I got away from it. So I, it, this spring, I tried
0: to be very intentional about connecting with people again. That's, that is helpful. I mean, being able to see your people that are like you, the adult people in the building is very important. I totally agree. We don't talk. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, I know I'm guilty as well as the rest of my colleagues. We will see each other literally sometimes outside of the building when we're going home and we'll say, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in like two weeks. And we're in the same building. But you're right. The pandemic definitely created that for us. When we were told, you know, you can't go near each other, just stay in your own quarters. So it does, it takes an intentional, intentional move, as you said. So I think we just definitely have to set boundaries in order to protect ourselves. We have to remind ourselves of our own goals as an individual as an educator, because we somehow can get lost in the field of education. As you know, Terry, we are notorious for taking something home. My husband and I laugh about this often. He never brings anything home. I always bring something home. It's just the amount of weight in that bag on that particular day, right? I have done a little bit better about bringing less things home. However, I still bring my book bag to work, and from work. So I think that is uh, something that people don't recognize in the field of education. You're always toting things around with you, even if it's just in your mind, even if it's the worry about a student, a particular student that you know something isn't right, it nags at you. So you're taking that with you. So I don't know, for me, I have to tell you, another um, great self-help for me is laughter. I am silly. I love to laugh. I am just as silly as they come. Do you find that I I, I always crack jokes with my students in the class and they love it and it brings us a closer connection. Is that something that you do in the classroom or is it something you've seen others do as an educator? I I really try and I I'm fortunate or unfortunate to
1: inherit my father's sense of humor about (laughs) about just about everything. And on quizzes and tests, I'll often photocopy a comic. I, I feel like nowadays it's the memes, but like I'm still very much like from the comic generation. So I'll have a comic there to lighten the mood, so to speak. But in my slideshows, I do try to find some kind of silly meme. And there's a lot of math ones out there, and a lot of times students will send them to me, or the comics I'll put up there as well. And I I like to try to be fun with them because they are so fun. I love their humor, the, their silliness as well. And what's so great is you can use that same joke every October because you have a whole new audience. <laughs> to appreciate it so I really I do I try and with my friends I, th- I think if they were to describe me funny would be one of
0: the things that they would say I love that I love that and students appreciate us just being human right so being human is a thing that's what they say to me often Miss Coleman oh my gosh you're so cool like you're like a whole human and I'm like oh my goodness you're a whole human too. That's a so I I love it. I do. I love to see them, to see them enjoy, enjoy that time with us. So that that is a good one. I like it. laughter. Okay, as we wrap up today's episode, I want to leave you with a final thought. Resilience looks like it's something different for everyone. It depends on who you are, what your journey is, and where you plan to go in this journey called life. It's not about facing challenges or not being able to face a challenge as much as it is about how we actually respond to challenges. Remember, you are capable, you are strong, and you have the power to overcome any obstacle that comes your way. Just embrace your resilience, tap into your inner superhero, and keep the difference as your difference and acknowledge that it's your own different and nobody can take that difference away from you because it's what makes you so magical. And Terry, thank you for coming and joining us today. Are there any closing and final remarks you would like to have for our educators out there listening?
1: Thank you so much for this opportunity. And just remember that you are far more powerful than you might give yourself credit for and we all have bad days sometimes years that student that you know has made you crazy or your own you know thing that's gotten you stuck in a rut but you're going to overcome it and what's so fabulous about our education system is we get this new group every year and you have another chance and you get and you're making more connections with all these students and embrace that, embrace that new every August, September, when you come back, you know, so you, you get a second chance every year, really like that. And, you know, if you're in a a high school or middle school, sometimes you can see your students in a couple years, you know, you can see I'm in a seven through 12 school, so I can see my students graduate after knowing them for three or four years. So it's wonderful and keep it up. You you can do it, stay with it. It is far more rewarding, I promise. All
0: right, and that comes from a 30 year veteran. So we had better take a listen to that. Okay, and that's a wrap for today's episode of Teacher Talk. Thank you for joining me on this resilience journey. I hope you find inspiration. I hope you find laughter practical tips to carry with you. Until next time, keep shining and go out there and be great, my resilient educators.